episode number 832 with the inspirational Whitney Cummings. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Mary Tyler Moore said, take chances, make mistakes. That's how you grow. Pain nourishes your courage. You have to fail in order to practice being brave. I hope you're practicing being brave today because that's the way you're going to grow. That's the way you're going to build confidence within yourself when you do those things that are a little bit risky. And the more risks you take, the more you're going to build that confidence within and definitely grow. And I'm excited to talk about our guest today. I had an incredible time. But before I dive in on our guest, I want to remind you that the Summit of Greatness, our annual event, is less than a month away. That's right. We've got so many people flying in from all over the world. Everyone's getting their tickets last minute. It's how people do it, I guess, these days. So if you're one of those last minute people, I do this as well. Make sure to go to summitofgreatness.com. Check out the incredible speakers we have. We've got some of the most inspiring speakers in the world, workout leaders who are going to lead you with great workouts in the morning and some uh, special surprises like we always do. If you've been to one of our previous three annual events, then you know it's always a time to remember. So go to summitofgreatness.com right now and check it out. We are one month away. I want to high five you. I want to hug you. I want to say hi. I want to hear about your story. So make sure to get there because there's just going to be so many incredible people you will meet, and I don't want you to miss out this year. So make sure to go to summitofgreatness.com. Today we've got the hilarious and inspiring Whitney Cummings. And you hear a different side of Whitney in this interview. We really dive into a lot of things. I think she was a little, little shocked on some of the questions I asked her, and I was really moved by a lot of her responses. And I really just enjoyed my time and my company with her. I saw her on stage one time, laughed my butt off, and really got to dive into the work she's done. Now, she's a comedian, an actor, producer, an author who's appeared in multiple TV shows and films, as well as multiple stand-up specials. You've probably seen her either on Netflix or online or one of her movies. Now, one of her stand-up specials was, was nominated for an American Comedy Award. She created also the sitcom, the massive mega-hit, Two Broke Girls. You've probably watched that show. And the show Whitney. And her TV appearances have been on Comedians of Chelsea Lately, Live Nude Comedy, which she created, starred, and wrote for, and the Comedy Central Roasts of Joan Rivers, David Hasselhoff, and Donald Trump. Her incredible book, I'm Fine and Other Lies, was out in 2017, and her film, The Female Brain, which I saw on a plane recently, is now available for streaming. Her latest comedy special, Can I Touch It?, is also on Netflix right now. That's a funny one. Make sure you go watch Can't I Touch It on Netflix also. In this interview, we talk about why desperate energy is repellent. It's repellent. You know, in her business, the Hollywood uh, business, it's definitely repellent. And it's also in almost every career possible. When anxiety can be a good thing in life, the importance of loving yourself in a way that is also self-aware, the addiction of being a victim and how Whitney broke free of all of it herself, 
and doing work for yourself and not for the reward. You know, Whitney takes a lot of risks that don't always get massive rewards, but that's what helps her grow. That's what makes her become more brave, more curious, more exciting, more adventurous, and what's what makes people respect her more. It's one of the reasons I respect her because of the risks she takes and the constant work she's willing to do on herself. So get ready for this one. I think you're going to really love it. Make sure to share it with your friends. And just share it with one friend today. One friend you think this will inspire. Text them the link, lewishouse.com slash 832. Text one friend the link to the podcast app that you're listening to or just lewishouse.com slash 832. And spread the message of greatness, of inspiration, of learning, of knowledge. These tools can really help us grow when we apply just one principle from someone who's been there, who's done that, who's achieved great things, who's had big failures. And you can be someone's hero and champion today by just texting them right now. So whoever's on your mind right now that you really care about and think about, send them a text with a link to the podcast app that you're listening to or lewishouse.com slash 832. And do me a favor while you're listening, leave a review on Apple Podcast and, and write a review. I don't care how many stars you give me, just write a review of what this specific episode has done for you. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your specific thoughts, and we share it with our team, we share it with our audience, the impact that we make on other people. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Just write a review. You can leave one star, five star, it doesn't matter to me, but I just want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear from you. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off whether you're searching for a home to buy or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale redfin's got you covered you can favorite homes share listings with others and even schedule tours with a local redfin agent all in the app and when you're ready to buy an experienced local redfin agent can guide you through the whole process they know how to help you win the right home at the right price so download the redfin app to get started today and without further ado let's dive into this episode with the inspirational whitney Cummings. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatest Podcast. We've got the inspiring and hilarious Whitney Cummings in the house. I'm Thank super you. pumped you're here. Thanks for having me. I watched uh, your movie on a plane like eight months ago. Yeah. Female Brain. Yeah. And it showed a different Did side. Did none of the other movies load, or what was happening? <laughs> what was you having? She's already got it. She's like, zing, <laughs> zing. I'm just curious. Uh, no, because I wanted to learn more about you. Oh. I think I, I saw you at 
whatever comedy store or com which one? Oh, is really? It? Comedy store? Yeah, okay. I saw you there probably a year ago. Mm -hmm. I've only been there maybe four times in seven years since I've been in there. Oh, wow. Maybe four or five times. Mm -hmm. And I went there and you were performing and I was dying. Last really? Time. You're so talented. A year ago, I must have maybe been working on new material. A year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty rough. So I was probably. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it seems like that, that seems like when I was just starting yeah. this new hour and it was probably only premises. No, it was amazing. Oh, thank you. It was amazing. And um, I was in the balcony watching you. I actually tweeted you afterwards, not that you saw it, but I was just like, Sorry. wow. I really admire the way you work the room, the way you tell amazing stories. And I think you were even saying, I'm working on new materials, so like, yeah. work with me here. Yeah, yeah. But you weren't, you weren't allowing any of it to show that you were insecure in any way, which I think you were talking beforehand that a lot of com comedians are yeah. always insecure. Yeah, which is what drives us. And, you know, I, and I know that we're all on this quest to solve insecurity and make it all go away, but insecurity sometimes drives us to do yeah. good things and get better and work harder, you know? So I think insecurity can be good fuel sometimes. It's not good if you're just, that's your default state. That's something to to work on. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, it took me a long time to embrace the fact that in stand-up, you succeed by failing mm. over and over again. It's like going to the gym. You're not always going to have the killer day that you want to put on Instagram. You Standing know? ovation, no, laughing no. out of their minds, snorting, yeah, like, milk. Most people just see, you know, the. it's like a sculpture. You Most people just see when it's done in the museum, right? You don't see the chiseling and the messing up and the fixing and the repasting and the whack-a-mole. You know, that's stand-up sure. when you come and see comedians, like, you know, cobbling together. You're going to see comedians at every level sort of figuring it out. I have no desire to be a comedian, but I feel like it'd be the most incredible training for my personal growth. I think everyone should Stand up, do right? it once, even once. Just you fail miserably and you, get laughed at <laughs> in a bad way. Right? I think you wouldn't. I think that you're so authentic and you know who you are. That's that's the key to it, I think. Yeah. It's just it's not about saying the thing that's the funniest, it's saying the thing that's the truest and that matches people's perception of you the most. You'll find out right away how people perceive you, which is kind of an interesting exercise. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What was the time that you realized, okay, I'm actually not that bad? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's probably a period of, or were you just always funny and it always, people laughed and clapped and cheered? I mean, I, no. I mean, it, it's tricky because then you think you're great and then you have a bad couple months and then you think you suck and then you you know, have nothing to lose. So all of a sudden you're great one night just because you don't give you a don't crap anymore. anymore. Yeah. And then you go, oh, whoa. It was the trying too hard that was repellent to people. And, you know, so as soon as you stop giving a crap because you think you suck, sometimes that's when you do your best work. Uh -huh. So I think that I've never got that right. There's a dysmorphia involved in it. So you, you know? still need to prepare and care about your material, mm -hmm. but not care what people think about you. In a way, yeah, you have to care a ton, and then as soon as you get on stage, you can't care at all. Really? You know, it's like this switch you have to turn on and off, but it's also, you can do the same set, same jokes, same way, two nights, one time you get a standing ovation, the next night you just really? bomb. Why Depending that? on your energy, depending on how in the moment you are. You know, I think that I took some boxing classes a couple of years ago, and I couldn't believe how much, like, stand-up it was. If you're a second ahead or you're a second behind, 
the joke's not going to land. Like, you just have to be, like, listening. It's a conversation with the audience. You know, a joke that worked the night before might not work tonight. You just can't go into autopilot. Really? You can't. You just have to be right there. You got to feel the energy. Yeah. Every city is different. Every venue is different. Every group of people is different. There's a bachelorette party in the corner. Weed's legal in California. It's different pacing in L.A. Right. now. You know, it's just kind of being flexible and detaching from your plan and detaching from the rote memorization or detaching from this worked 50 times, so I'm just going to do the same thing I've done. It's just being willing to detach from all the things that worked for the past year Wow. and being flexible, I think. And did you always want to be in comedy, you know, in school growing up? Yeah, I don't think I knew that's what I was meant to do. I was, you know, I hit a couple different walls that I thought, like, I thought I was going to be a, a journalist, really? you know, because I was like a seeker and I was curious and I was critical and I always wanted to get the dirt. Like, we're, comics were kind of snitches at heart, right? Really? You know, we're complainy snitches <laughs> that are obsessed with justice. And I thought oh. I was going to be like an Upton Sinclair where I was going to like go into factories and reveal that we're obsessed with that stuff. We're obsessed with secrets and lies and injustices. And then um, I was also a performer, and I was also, like, doing theater and like plays. Dance, singing, D- plays. No dancing, no singing as a strong boundary. How dare you? Um, no, not like a theater kid. I was doing, like, very serious plays. Like I was Shakespeare. Very, like like um, A Doll's House, like okay. Ibsen's A Doll's House, which was sort of about this woman and a wow. bad relationship. You know, so I kind of was like, and then when I was hanging out with my friends, I would tell these really long, boring stories about how I, like, hated how you can't find your car in a parking lot and I don't like the ticketing system. Uh And it was like, I didn't realize what I was doing with stand-up. I didn't realize... Those are the conversations that do the best on stand-up. Totally. And I was just sort of like, oh, I have a huge complaint and I want to talk about Uh it for 40 minutes. This isn't a date. (laughs) This isn't what you (laughs) do on dates. This is what you do on perform in front of an audience. This is what you do in front of an audience. Or your girlfriends. I I totally, I was dancing around it. You know, I was dancing around it and then someone one day, and I think just to get me to shut up, was like, you should try stand-up. Like, it was the way of saying, like, get this out of here. There's a couple of moments... I'm not obsessed with comedians, like, studying it all and going to all the shows and mm-hmm. watching everything, but I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's fun for me. I watch different stuff when it's on Netflix or I'll go to the comedy store once a year yeah. type of thing. But I remember, I don't know if you're friends with him, Dane Cook had, a, like, a CD special, like, 15 years yeah. ago. That Fishy he told circle. a joke that was still in my mind. Yeah. There's something like you talking about the parking ticket system. Whatever it was, yeah. And he was talking about when you're in a parking garage and your tires like squeal. Mm-hmm. And for some reason this joke like stayed with me. Yeah. It's nothing crazy funny or some out of the, the world. It just resonated experience. with you and you felt connected. And I think that's what stand-ups yeah. do is like, you put a bunch of strangers in a room and they all agree on something. They all connect on something. Dif- they vote differently. They are, you know, have different interests in movies and women and men. Who knows? Different all, races, different experience, backgrounds. All coming they agree on different something. socioeconomics get together and go, the wheels squealing in the park. We all have that universal experience. It's finding the things that we can all kind of agree on. I think that always interested me. You know, I grew up in a home that was not harmonious, where there was a lot of discord, a lot of disagreement, and I always kind of wanted to get everyone to agree and laugh, and it was, it was always like to try to um, sort of just manage 
tension. It was always like, if I can make this person laugh, maybe Christmas will be fun. You know, like it was always kind of just trying to manage people. And then, you know, as an adult, it's almost like a herding dog, a shepherd that wants to get everyone in one place. I just sort of have this instinct of trying to go like, we actually have more in common than we don't. Um, yeah. It's something that it's just like a instinct that I don't know if you can teach. You know, you, I think are you, you have a, Are you a younger sibling? I'm the youngest. Yeah, the youngest yeah, the peacemaker, always, yes. I mean, we've got some illegitimate ones floating around, right. but three that we know <laughs> but you of. Know. Okay. Yes, yes. So I'm the youngest of four, and for some reason, I just knew that you had an older sibling based yeah. on the way you were talking there. Always. Youngest of three, mm-hmm. what was the biggest discourse within the family? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, this is not, you know, I have no victim stuff about it or right. um, regret about it. You know, uh, you know, there's just the divorce and alcoholism mm-hmm. and a lot of mental illness in my house growing yeah, up. Yeah. A lot of, you know, we're very lucky. We're at a generation that has podcasts like yours and books like this. Tools to learn we from. Did, my parents didn't have those tools. Yeah, it was passive aggressive communication. It was everything's fine, everything's fine, then a huge explosion of resentment. There was mm-hmm. no like, Talking about that, I also grew up with a mother that I'm really proud that I had, but she was the kind of first generation of women that was balancing full-time career and kids. So she was under a tremendous amount of stress and didn't have childcare and was just always so stressed out and exhausted. And But taught me, she was up at 6 a.m. and she was home at 7 p.m. and she brought me to work with her, but I just saw her trying to manage everything and... You know, it was always like, how do I just make things easier for everybody else? Yeah. And the joke kind of, to me, was like a magic trick. It was like, whoa, that was easy. That was an easy way to get love. That yeah. was an easy way to cut some tension. Yeah. So I learned early on Gosh. how to kind of tap dance. We all did. You know, yeah. I think we all grew up in, you know, we're the first generation that isn't turning to alcohol and anger and rage Drugs, and, yeah. and some kind of just quick dopamine hit. Or we're, we're doing other dopamine hits, which is like meditation, working out, eight hours of sleep, mm-hmm. eating healthy. A false sense of control. It's <laughs> exactly. our new addiction. It's yeah. trying to yeah. optimize certain things that we can yeah. to, to ease Maybe the overcorrecting yeah, exactly. in, a, in a way. This is crazy because... Self-help-ism yeah, exactly. is kind of the new ism. It's crazy because we're very similar based on what you're telling me. You know, so. My parents were... Passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. There was no love or affection. Mm-hmm. Zero. It was like they forced the love to try to show it. They should have been divorced before I was. Even was there born. shame around getting a divorce or? Yeah, they, they stayed together because yeah. of us, right? Not wasn't because they loved each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe they loved each other in some sense, but mm-hmm. they were both working full time jobs to pay for all four of his kids. Yeah. And, and like my mom, you know, she was working full time and then trying to take care of us. Yep. It's, yep. It's almost like they went crazy. In a yeah. Sense. And you're watching overwhelm, you know, you're watching... Stress, overwhelm, screaming, fighting, you know, Mm -hmm. constantly leaving the house and uncertainty. That's right. Inconsistency, stormy. uh, And it's also, I think, you know, as a kid, because you don't understand the emotional one plus one equals two, so you're just trying whatever you can. And the same thing you're punished for one day, you're rewarded for the next day. It's like, to me, I never understood what added up. So it was like... Be funny, be loud, tap dance, come out and yeah. sit, you know. So I, I was always sort of experimenting with with what works. But I grew up in, in, and I wrote a book about codependence, which is something that is kind of a word we use to describe, mm-hmm. like, relationships where you spend a lot of time together, which is not really what, co- it can be codependence, but I didn't understand um, that I grew up in a, you know, alcoholic home, yeah. um, but also a very codependent home, which where people did a lot of things out of obligation. People pleased to feel, yeah. And which is very 
it's part of like tradition, I think, in our culture. I won't speak for other cultures, but it is. You go to church on Sunday. You have to do this. You have to go to this bridal shower. You have to bring in gifts. You have to go to this housewarming. There was a lot of sort of love that I now realized was obligation, socializing that was obligation. We have to go to Christmas. And so many people were divorced that it was like going to nine people's houses for Christmas. And I didn't really learn do what you want to do that makes you feel. It just force yourself to do things, white knuckle through things. You do things out of obligation. be resentful the whole time. That's right. And codependence breeds resentment. So I'm just going to be miserable. And socializing is joyless. Like I, I really had to work hard to make socializing joyful later because wow. I just didn't have a concept that it wasn't work. It's interesting. I, you know, I felt very similar. And when I was 13, I begged my parents to send me away because I just didn't want to be in the environment anymore. Wow. So this is why I went to St. Louis. I went to a private boarding school. Wild. I've met some kids that were just more positive. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be around these group yeah. of kids who are thinking differently, who yeah. are just feel like they're in better environments, better family uh, environments. And I begged them for a whole summer to send me to the school seven hours away from Ohio where I was living. And um, it sounded like you tried to escape as well. Yeah, I didn't ask to be sent away. <laughs> it wasn't as that sounds you very just left civilized. When you were 18, yeah, I kind of right? got sent. I had. Oh, you, you did? Know, yeah, I got sort of sent to Virginia. Oh, wait, how old were you? Because I was acting out. I was 12. Shut yeah, up. I know. We, so have I a sim- we have a similar thing. That's Holy a trip. Cow. Yeah. So you got sent away? Uh huh. Mm hmm. <laughs> I got sent away because there was, you know, various family drama, oh hardcore. Gosh. Yeah, and it was like my parents kind of just, it was too much for them. So I went and I lived wow. with my aunts uh, in Virginia for a, a while. An hour and a half, two hours far. away? Or? Yeah, a little more, like four hours away. Four hours away, wow. You know, yeah. How long? Uh, about three years. So mm-hmm. you went to middle school, high school for mm-hmm. a little bit in Virginia, it, away from your parents. You see, see them in I see them on weekends or, yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that was okay. It was, it's interesting, you know, we're so... It's, you know, and and I have all sorts of scars around that and character building moments, you know, but. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all Already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Maybe it's American, maybe it's, I don't know, you guys will correct me in the comments, I'm sure. But it's just so odd to me that we're like raised by two people and that's it, you know? It's like we're kind of designed to be raised by many different Village. people. That's right. And, you know, as odd as it felt for my parents to go like, we can't take care of you, we're leaving you here. Like at the time my brain was like, you're not good enough, you failed, you're unlovable. Like all those narratives that of course my psyche was going to write because my psyche, you know, I I know this is a common thing, but I'll speak for myself, is that when our parents fail, that's too much for us to handle. So we have to blame ourselves. So that was a really big part of, you know, the way I developed. But looking back, I'm like, I feel really lucky that I got to be exposed to so many different yeah. kinds of parents and caretakers and their flaws and their strengths. And, you know, I grew up in D.C. and then I grew up in Virginia for a while. So oh. I got to kind of get like, you know, and I think that's part of what makes me a good comedian is I'm not just in this like elitist blue state. I got to see how people live that aren't in a metropolitan areas right. and see the value of that and learn wow. community and connect with animals. And so I, I feel really lucky that I got to have a little bit of both and growing you went, up. You went back when you were 15, 16? And then I went back to D.C. when I was 15, 16. They, yeah. they were less exhausted. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I siblings were probably older. They were in college now. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was, oh, it's, there's, there's some, you know, some scrapes, like it was, you know, it was not ideal, but yeah. I, I don't know where like we get off as people expecting our parents to have any idea what they're doing. No. I mean, when you look around and look at your friends that get, have kids, you're like, they're having kids. Like why? Like why? you look at your friends and you're like, oh my gosh, like my parents, None of, no one was ready for kids. No one. My it parents just, had my brother when they were 19. They're like in school. It, I, they don't, I don't know, know who I, they are. I just feel like for the most part, I mean, look, a lot of really tricky things happened to me as a kid. I have a lot of trauma. I'm the, the whole thing and I do EMDR and I'm in 12-step yeah. programs. And I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, a lot of people I think know about all the things I do to fix what happened. But for the most part, like, I think we have incredibly high expectations for our yeah, parents that do. are just too high. If you study history or you study the timeline of sort of what we know about neurology and yeah. psychology, it's yeah. only in the last 20 years that anyone stood a chance. And when we can learn to forgive and mm -hmm. accept and have compassion for our parents, that's when we can really heal those relationships and heal ourselves mm -hmm. for not beating ourselves up or feeling like we're less than or not good enough or not lovable. Yeah, and it really was like they did the best they could. And I don't, I, I truly don't think my parents were like, how are we going to mess up Whitney today? Like they were literally just trying to keep their head above water and given the tools that they had. And It and sounds I, like if you had a perfect life, you want to be where you're at. The adversity is what makes you stronger. It's what makes you more creative and what makes you able to like break out of your comfort zone and try things probably. And it just is what it is. There's nothing I can do about yeah, it, yeah. you know? So I just, I think we spend so much time in blame. Yeah. And that is just like, it to me, I have such a economy of energy brain. I just say, do you have spending any time being mad at someone that 
you know, I, I just, just don't do it. And I love what you said about forgiveness because I, I remind myself on a daily basis, like we forgive others, not because they deserve forgiveness, but we because deserve. we deserve peace. And that's that, it. It's not about them. No. Not saying it's okay with Forgiveness is selfish. You know, it it's, for just, your inner peace. it's just taking things out of your backpack. It's yeah. just like, why am I carrying this around? You I know? Like yeah, my mom is has enough shame about what happened. Like, I don't have to right, be right. mad on top of it. It's just not, it just doesn't. Guilt her until she dies. It just doesn't yeah. work. You know, so I think if it worked, I'd do it, but it just doesn't. <laughs> Blame doesn't work. You're not more connected and more loving with each other. I don't get a check every time I get mad at my mom. It just doesn't pay any bills. <laughs> Man, I'd be rich. I do, totally. I just don't <laughs> I'd be rich, right? <laughs> see the point, you know? And I, you know, you might know this about me, but I learn a lot about myself and about sort of the error in the ideas I have um, by training animals. Mm-hmm. And... Even when I have the best intentions, I make mistakes and I screw up and I, you know, and I just, it makes me have so much more compassion mm-hmm. for my parents. I love watching your videos of you with your horses. How many horses do you have? I have one. one I only have okay, one, so but one yeah. It seems like there's many because it's. Yeah, I know. I work with many, but yeah, I, yeah. I only. And um, I think there was one a couple weeks ago of you walking away and it was just like your energy. She's like, look, she's going to walk or he or she. Yeah, 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 yeah. And. Um, now if my energy's bad, she's gonna back off. <laughs> yeah, you know, so right, totally. It really, you know, I think I spent so much time. I wasted my twenties, really, and nothing's waste. But I, I really did was unconscious in my twenties because I was trying so hard to control other people and trying so hard. My subconscious brain was working so hard to figure out ways to make myself feel safe and to avoid abandonment and avoid rejection and avoid criticism. And as a result, I just. I realized in, in equine therapy is really the only thing that helped me understand it besides Al-Anon and 12-step programs and codependence recovery, how desperate energy is repellent. and the So repellent. And the more badly we want something, when we push something, we push it away. When you have two desperate people that you can come together and be mm-hmm. like away and together, away together, that's very codependent, right? Yeah. Two desperate people. That's right. And just sort of like the unhooking oh, and man. the only way to win is to not play yeah. and to don't just do something, sit alone, there. Because right? yeah. to me, my drug is taking an action. My drug is, and it becomes this sort of, the tighter you pull something, the knot just gets tighter and tighter. And that really is what I think about when I think of my 20s. It was just me trying so hard to be loved and respected and and heard and seen wow. that I was like, it's just, it's annoying. It's, it's, it's repellent is the, I think, best way to put it. And, you know, working with prey animals really helps you understand. It really holds up a mirror to your energy and what you're giving off and what is needy energy and... Mm. So my horses really helps me with that. What are you most proud of about yourself that you've done in the last 10 years from your transition to 20s to 30s, looking back? That's a really good question. And I have a couple. Like there's the financial things I'm proud of, like owning a home yeah. and having a 401k and just the sort independent, of yeah. the basic self-care of that. You know, I grew up poor. Like the, just having health insurance is a big deal. So right. I think times where I'm like, I didn't get this and I don't have this many things and I don't have this much money. I'm just like, the fact that I have health insurance is is a miracle with what I come from. I think we forget our basic gratitude lists or basic, if you had told me 15 years ago that I would have a 401k, I would think you were, you know, on LSD. So (laughs) I think it's important to also have, you know, gratitude and about those little things. But for me, I I would say it's, um, it's so simple for me. Handling a conflict with grace is like mm. the biggest achievement I can make at this wow. point. Because 
achieving things and getting things and winning things and selling shows or making specials. That's all, you know, I know how to do that. But to me, the biggest challenges are sometimes just being able to shut my mouth for 20 minutes and listen to someone who's wrong. Wow. That to me is 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 the, one of the biggest accomplishments. Listen to someone who's wrong and not try to make them right or not try to fix it and just go like that sounds Steve. hard. And not try to change someone's neurology in a conversation. Not coach them or give them a solution. No. Nope. I'm sorry you feel that way. Not try to be like a guy essentially, right? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you imply that I talk about the differences between men and women? Um that to me is, that's what's been the hardest thing for me. Wow. Is to be able to be in a relationship with someone, working relationship, romantic relationship, and not try to control their behavior, opinions, neurology, and to be able to tolerate the discomfort of others and other people being wrong. It, wrong is subjective, so what is that even? So the hardest thing for me is becoming a boss and having employees and just going, they're not doing that the way I would do it, and I'm just going to have to. Accept it. And I'm not going to spend the next hour obsessing over how I would have done it and micromanaging the person. It's just that kind of taking the hooks out for me has been a big one. Being able to tolerate the discomfort of others, the flaws of others, that's my biggest thing. It's interesting you say that because in the beginning, before we started recording, you said something about um, how you don't, how we shouldn't love ourselves in like a cheeky way. You were like... We shouldn't just be all love yourself or who you are because then you're not going to work to improve yourself. Is that right? Yeah, and I don't. I was driving over here and I was like, God, I hope I'm a good fit for this show (laughs) because I am so like, you know, I see all this self-help stuff on Instagram and I just am like, I don't like generalizations. My brain just doesn't do well with them. Like black and white, love yourself. Like I see this war on self-deprecation. I see this war on anxiety. That's all I hear about is I have anxiety. I got to get rid of anxiety. Anxiety is great. It is why our species has proliferated. Anxiety is information. It tells us what situations to get out of. It tells us what people are not healthy for us. It tells us it's 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 our gut, you know. And I know there's anxiety disorders, and I've struggled with it. But it usually is information telling me do less of this thing, cut this person out of your life, you know. And I think anxiety is important. So is adrenaline. So is cortisol. I think that we're leaving neurology out of a lot of these conversations and we're leaving sort of a evolutionary biology mm-hmm. uh, element out of a lot of these conversations. So a lot of the things that made humans so successful, we're now trying to right. get rid of. And, you know, we have such a big problem with people self-medicating in our country. And I think a lot of it is like, well, we got to get rid of our anxiety. It's like no human is allowed to be uncomfortable ever, ever. Yeah. ever. I'm not pro-anxiety, but right. I do think that anxiety is our gut sometimes telling us information we need to know. Yeah. I think if you look at it as intuition, like if you're starting to feel anxious about a moment or stressed or or like something's off yep. and you feel anxious, mm-hmm. okay, you don't need to hold on to that for 30 days yep. or for three years. Yep. Like you, you shouldn't stay in that space, Yep. yep. but listen to it and figure out a way to adjusting something in your life, right? Yeah, it's just there's, there's. I think that we tend to pick and choose the pain and discomfort that we want, you know? You don't go to the gym and go like, oh, this hurts, I'm not doing it. Like, you go, no, this is like, gonna. I don't know anything about exercising. Grow, look it's, better. I'm going to yeah. tear the muscle and get stronger, you know? And I think for me, this whole, like, love yourself. Like, I wrote a book on loving yourself and overcoming codependence and building self-esteem, but that term to me doesn't honor neurology and how self-esteem or the frontal lobe works. And it also is just like, love yourself if you did something 
what are the esteemable actions? You know, if you want high self-esteem, you have to engage in esteemable actions. This idea of like everyone just deserves to love themselves all the time. Like, I don't know. I mean, some people. I think you should. I think it's like there's something to be uh, accepting yourself for where you're at and how Mm -hmm. far you've come. Yes. And say, okay, I accept and love where I'm Mm -hmm. at right now. Yes. But I also know there's more available for me. I think for and me, I need an engine. I need, yeah. I, I. Place and sitting around all day. Yeah, I just, for me, it's not possible to just go, oh, I love myself out of nowhere. That's just not how nature or nurture works. So I think yeah. for me, I, I'm really into achievable goals, but I do think there's this sort of generation of people that maybe love themselves too much and haven't, like, you know, so, and that's maybe my comedian brain yeah, yeah. kicking in. Sure. And I think that there's self acceptance, there's self love. I think, I just, and this is just, yeah, probably me trying to make a joke about it, but a lot of the people that I see saying, like, I'm going to love myself today, I'm like, aren't you the same person that just tweeted something nasty about it? You know, I'm just like, why would you love yourself? That You know, so I think that we just need to, I think self-love coupled with self-awareness is important. This radical, I'm perfect the way I am all the time. I don't think so. Look at our environment. Look at our world catching on fire. Like, we might love ourselves too much. And I think we build more confidence by the actions that we we take. That's right. It's by being our word consistently, whether it be in a relationship or if you say you're going to work out five days a week Mm -hmm. and actually following through Mm -hmm. to your commitments. I think that's what makes you feel like, okay, I love myself. I'm like, appreciate myself more for the actions that I took and for being a good human being. Yeah. You know. And I guess for me, what I the and I don't think I'm being clear. Like my problem with love yourself is like I try not to set goals that are so unachievable and vague that I then feel disappointed that I I couldn't. So when I go, I'm gonna love myself in five minutes. It's just like that's not fair. I'm yeah. setting myself up to fail. I'm trying to change 36 years of neurology <laughs> and God knows how many thousands of years of epigenetic imprinting. I'm trying to overcome it because mm. of a tw- like a Instagram meme I saw right, that right, said right. love yourself. You know, it just feels like a shortcut yeah. that is not attainable and I'm just going to be more disappointed in myself when I can't achieve it right away. So I like to take like bite-sized pieces of goals so that I don't, you know, a big thing we do in 12-step programs is you, you know, in order to honor your word, you only set boundaries you can actually follow through with and you oh. don't make threats or so if you and I are in a relationship and you're on your phone while we're talking. I'm like, if you ever do that again, I'm gone. And it's like, nope, you cannot threaten something that you can't follow through with that's not attainable because then, of course, you're going to check your phone again. And then then I'm not going to leave because I just made an impossible threat. Mm-hmm. That's that I can't fall through with, and then I'm gonna. It's gonna start to erode my self esteem yeah. because my word means nothing, right? You know, and you can't take me seriously, and I can't take me seriously, and then I don't respect myself, and it, so yeah. I just and try then you to resent yeah, everything. <laughs> yes. Did you do this in many relationships? Yes. It sounds like I don't know what you're talking about. No, I, I've heard that people do, you, do this. Do you struggle in your current relationship because you're engaged, right? I am engaged, and I'm really lucky. I. You know, by the time we started dating, I had been in a 12-step program for almost eight years. I've been doing EMDR for about four. I've been hearing EMDR is amazing, I hear. It's a game a changer. People, yeah. It's a game changer. Again, like, I'm not a, this is the panacea that's going to fix mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. If you have, you, you know. lots of tools. Yes. Or try different things, yeah. And I had also been in a 12-step program for whatever, five years by the time I got to EMDR. So I think I had the tools to even receive what it was. I'm also a big fan of the placebo effect. It's an effect 
that works, whether it's psychosomatic, whether it's scientific, I don't care. It works. I was in a place where I could really receive it and I was ready mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there's no point in doing it if you're not ready to change or if you don't buy it or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, but it was at a time where I was really ready to release my character defects and put down all the weapons that I needed when wow. I was a kid. Because wow. I was carrying around a lot of armor and a lot of weapons that worked great. A lot of masks. When I was younger, yes. I had a mask on a mat. I was the, you know, and um, and I was just ready. I was ready to stop fighting. It was like something we say in, you know, Al-Anon is the war is over. You lost. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know. Surrender. Yeah, totally. And we're like running around on a battlefield of a war we lost with our guns and our harpoons and our, our cannon. And it's like, no, we're not. And the war is meaningless. It's, it's like been a over for war. 20 years and you're running around like a maniac, yeah. you know. Um, Isn't it interesting until we kill ourselves, we can't become something greater. Like we have to kill our old self, yeah. kill our ego. It's such a shame because. Shed off these things, right? Because, you know, I think in something that I talk about, you know, in codependent recovery stuff, it's like the person that grew up in the home that that's a superhero. That's a, you know, I think we tend to look at our character defects as failures in some way or as that weirdo, that psycho, I was crazy. It's like, no, I was perfectly equipped to fight that emotional war. I was perfectly equipped to deal with, you know, mental illness and addiction and codependence and rage and whatever. I just, like, don't need to be the Hulk anymore. No. You know? It's exhausting. It's exhausting and it's just not useful or smart and it's an energy drain. And it's like... Um, I'm just, it's the funhouse mirror. It's just my perception. I just need to sort of update the software is what I call wow. it, you know? Yeah. It's that things have changed and my brain stayed the same. Wow. So it's just really acclimating to my new circumstances. So how is this new relationship that you've been in? I guess you've been in for a few years now, but mm -hmm. how is this your partner now with all the work you've done? How do you feel like, it's, what's your rating? Well, I think for what's me- What's your grade card? <laughs> you know, if you're like mean? a D in your other relationships, are you like a B plus, an A minus? No. Gold star every day. It took oh god, I give myself a B minus. I would say a lot say. of room to improve. Mm -hmm, a lot of room to improve. But hey, I was a C student, so the, it's it's, it's but not so bad. I mean, I also am a perfectionist, so I'm sure other yeah. my version of a B minus is probably other person uh, an another a person's minus. A minus. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like check for inflation. I feel grateful, you know, I also took this sort of course on how to kind of change the type of person you're attracted to because I'm sort of obsessed with Harville Hendricks and how we're attracted to people who have the negative qualities of our primary caretakers. So, Isn't that crazy? <laughs> crazy. So I kept recreating my childhood circumstances so over yeah. and over and dating my dad and dating oh. my mom and dating oh. my siblings. And, and it was just like incest. At a certain point, you got to stop dating your dad, guys. And it would just trigger me. And, you know, I had to do a lot of, I even did a lot of sort of like body trauma work because, yeah. you know, our bodies react before our brains. Totally my favorite. So we are the same person. This is alarming. Um, so <laughs> I would. You're just much funnier than me. <laughs> as soon as I not at nine a.m. Um, but as soon as I would get into a defensive, I was gone. It was like I would just go offline, and I would just turn into this robot who was just. And so, um, I found myself being attracted to people that I had to take care of, people that were a mess, people that were chaotic, Sweet. and it was just adrenaline. And you know, and I'm also identify as an addict, so adrenaline turns into dopamine. So. You know, dramatic dramatic situations are addictive. They are dramatic people are Drama addictive. Is addictive. Correct, correct. It's 
stress, yes. drama. And being a victim is addictive. So being addictive. in a relationship where you're like, well, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do this, it makes you it's feel- your responsibility. It makes you feel interesting. It makes yeah. you feel bonded to other people. Complaining is addictive. And I was in all of these really hectic relationships, mm. secret relationships and cheating and, dr- and you know, it, you always feel like you're in your own action movie and you feel important. And this, mm. um, you know, so I found myself on that hamster wheel for a long time and I was addicted to addicts and um, sick people and malignant narcissists was my drug for quite a while. Nice. Um, you know, so we call them Christmas trees. Like you, you know, when you have not recovered your brain and the type of thing that you're attracted to, you can walk into a room and it's just like the most messed up person will just light up. And it's mm. the only person and that's what wow, this is my person. I'm going to rescue them. They're going to make me feel more important. They're going to need me. Mm-hmm. We call be- it passion. We call it chemistry. Yeah, yeah. We call it butterflies when that's really just your body saying, stay away <laughs> from this person. Anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> helpful. We go, oh, screw that anxiety. No, screw the person yeah. that's making you. Well, don't. But, you know. I mean, it's it, a really a reflection of us, though. Mm-hmm. You know. Totally. We attract what we are. Vibrate. Right? We just yeah. vibrate on a different frequency. So Might find be a different it. level of messed up that we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I, it took me a long time to realize like chemistry is a red flag. If I vibe with somebody, turn around, mm. get in your car and just leave the party. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology Technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You still vibe with the person you're with. You in should a get way. along, but if it's like <gasps> something else is going on, right, for right. me personally, right, right, you know, right. I found that if you like enmesh with someone right away and you're like, we spent five days together straight, like that is for me addictive. And I kept getting into these addictive, entrenched things where you fall in love before you know Wait. the person, yeah. you know? And so it took me a long time. You know, because I kept being these relationships with unrecovered codependents, unrecovered addicts, unrecovered narcissists, and, you know, as if that's something you can really recover from. And my brain labeled it as chemistry, passion, soulmate, all these sort of things that we tend to romanticize. And it took me understanding neurology to really realize I was just kind of a puppet of this dopamine oxytocin cycle. Wow. So that was really helpful for me. Learning neurology, I think, is the, the biggest game changer. And when you said, like, what are you proud of? I think for me, that's that's the biggest one, to be mm. able to just honor neurology and not make everything so romantic or personal mm. or cinematic. It's like, oh, that was just oxytocin. Right, right. They're not your soulmate. That's all that was. It's sure. okay. You know, so for me, it was really, I had to write lists, and I wrote about it in my book, like lists of, you know, what I wanted, what was would be nice. It was like a list my therapist made me do. It was like dream dream list requirements with someone, which is like requirements, like not budget, not negotiable, not negotiable. My bottom lines. This is what I must have. This would be nice Uh and red flags, and the red flags were like not negotiable. Yeah, you know. So that I really had to figure out. They can't be an addict. They can't be whatever it is. Yeah. Correct. Married. You know. (laughs) (laughs) On MySpace. Things like that. You can't be married right now. Hard and fast rules, you know, (laughs) because I think that the problem with chemistry clouds our frontal lobe, you know, dopamine crowds our judgment, you know, clouds our judgment. And so for me, I had to get really self-aware about my judgment. Yes, no list. So it's clear. Yeah. I had to really treat it like a business proposal and for as non-romantic as that sounds, you know, because I found that I found that my relationships were draining me and depleting me instead of energizing me. And that wow. that's a bottom line for me. So Yeah, no stripper poles. No stripper poles. Uh, no thank you. I'm good. And I uh, you know, it's something my my therapist said something to me that was really interesting. She, you know, she basically went, Your relationship needs to be boring. And I, I was like, no way. What do you mean? They have to be exciting and, uh, and You're this. You're gonna bring the excitement. It to- she was You've like got action and energy. She, what she made me realize is What's boring to you is really just serenity. Peace. That's right. I want to take a moment from this interview with Whitney to talk about a product that has been helping me over the last few weeks. If you don't know about Beam TLC, this is a company founded by two ex-professional athletes on the idea that everyone should have the chance to experience what better feels like. We shouldn't be feeling pain in our body all the time. And Beam's mission is to empower people to push their limits and pursue their passions by improving their physical and mental state. Whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur, you're a busy parent or a weekend warrior, Beam is making waves in the wellness industry by offering products that combine 100% THC-free CBD with other high-quality ingredients to seamlessly become part of your lifestyle. Their products include organic pharmaceutical CBD oil in both mint and natural flavors, a topical lavender-scented CBD-infused salve. This is like a cream that I've been using on my toe that I've had turf toe for the last six months. 
from playing with the USA handball team, and it's been helping me relieve a lot of my pain in my toe and in my feet. They've also got all-natural CBD-powered protein bars and vanilla coconut and cacao flavors. And I'm telling you, they've just got a great brand and a great mission. And the founders know what it takes to perform at a high level. They're ex-pro athletes, so they know what it takes to perform at a high level and what the body needs. Now, whether you're sore or stressed, Beam's there to elevate your every single day. Try Beam and find your path to better. Visit beamtlc.com. Use the promo code GREATNESS for 15% off your order. Again, go to beamtlc.com and use the promo code GREATNESS for 15% off your order. And now, let's get back into this episode with Whitney Cummings. Because you don't have peace in any relationship. That's right. And you need to have peace when you go home. That's right. Your home should be a sanctuary. And you should, I love that Flaubert quote, which is like, you know, isn't it be boring in your personal life so you can be brave and violent in your professional Ooh, life and take risks? Ooh, and a lot of the most successful people, at least in my field, are the ones that are like have been married for 35 years. You know, Will Ferrell and Steve yeah. Carell and all these guys where they're not outdated. You know, it's a time suck. So it's much a full-time energy. job. It's so much energy. And I realized I was chasing people whose love I couldn't get, that I could never get because of this addiction to, I think, rejection and abandonment and this addiction to auditioning for approval. So I would be like... Auditioning mag- for approval, as you said? Mm-hmm. Oh. I'd be magnetically attracted to people whose approval I could like never, never get. Like your dad. Like or my dad. Whoever, yeah. Or a malignant narcissist who just can't. Wow. You know, Or I would need too much from somebody who couldn't give. You know, I was just really... Constantly in those relationships, and I was in relationships where I would do 80, they would do 20. Because to me, like my workaholism, like that was just my comfort zone. Make it work, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really, it took me a long time to get out of that. So to answer your question, it's it's kind of a, a vic- triumph, really, wow. a victorious triumph that I'm in a relationship that's healthy and peaceful, peaceful, and you know, just wow. he's just useful and calls me out on my. Sh- and sets boundaries. and wow, that's good. I he can, stands up for himself. Too. Yeah. He's oh, not yeah. just letting you walk all over him. Or <clears throat> no. Like, and I could be authentic with him. And, you know, it's really like, and he has the tools to have these conversations, which is really helpful. You know, I think you have to date someone that has a similar toolbox than you. It's emotionally intelligent, yeah. Or else what are you doing? It's and true. if he doesn't, it's like he's able to say, express that he's not, and so am I. You know, and we're really... You know, and I also, I, I, this was something that I think was really helpful in this relationship. I didn't throw all my crap at him right away. I used That's to good. think that my trauma was the only thing that was interesting about me. And yeah, Your heart is interesting. Really? Absolutely. Thank you. Of course. But I didn't sort of give it all at once, you know. It, was, it started long distance, which I think was really helpful for an addictive brain because it was able to pace. You can't spend 24-7 for... Two weeks with them. It's not sustainable. Obsess over like every little detail. No, don't do it. It's I'm in long distance right now and actually it's amazing because I miss her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, I wish she was here. But I'm also like, wait, let's wait. Let's give her more time. Let's like really enjoy the process. Like we're communicating on the phone. We're not mm-hmm. obsessing over certain things. No, nope. yep. She's independent. I'm independent. We're building like a foundation. I feel really... It's really, I mean, this is just such a basic thing. And we didn't, I didn't learn basic things like this when I was a kid. Get to know someone. (laughs) Don't just fall in love. Don't. Just get to know. It's very simple. You know, I mean, this is, um, you know, for me, I was just so sloppy about it. And I think for me, again, like I, my biggest fear in life is being boring, Mm. believe it or not. 
And so my thing was like, here's all my trauma and here's all the terrible things that happened to me and here's my, you know, all my, and it just, it how interesting and complex I am. It gives you this false sense of emotional progress with the other person, this false sense of intimacy that's just not real and you're in this house of cards. So for me, it was really about kind of doling out my personal information with him. I mean, in a way that was was organic, healthy. Yeah, it was organic. And it wasn't like, I'm going to show all my victim. So then now you're attracted to a victim and now we're in this unhealthy thing, you know? So it was really important to me to sort of curate and still be authentic, but kind of just curate and be boundaried about what I shared with him when, because I was trauma bonding with people and wasting six months at a time. What's the thing you love about him the most? Oh, wow. It's a different type of podcast. He, I know. I love this. This is These are questions that nobody ever asks me. I love it. The thing that I love about him the most is, you know, and I think this is so obvious maybe, he really is endeared by a lot of my... For, I don't. I don't like when people call themselves crazy, and I and I don't. I tend not. I try not to do it to myself. Yeah. I'm really careful Be about. Careful about your words. I'm so careful. Become what you say. My idiosyncrasies. He's he's entertained corking it. Yeah, yeah. And he understands, you know, recovery. And he's very like, you know, he's like, I'm gonna stay in my lane. He doesn't try to control me. He doesn't try to fix me. That's amazing. My thing is, I have enough notes for myself. I don't need more notes. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your feedback, and I want to improve. But he's not. You know, he's entertained by it, which I think is important. You need someone that um, is kind of your fan and isn't disappointed. Like when you um, do something, uh, he's just, he doesn't take personally my behavior. Mm -hmm. How about that? He doesn't. It's not like everything I do is, yeah, if I don't text him back, he's just like, what happened? He's not like, where have you been? He's just very like, did you lose your phone again? I mean, he's just like kind of. secure, jealous. No, he's just, exactly. He's very just kind of endeared by, you know, I have five, every day I come home with a new dog or a pig or a horse. Like he's just. Chickens. He's a very patient man. Okay, yeah. He's a very patient man. And I, I need that. I uh, interviewed a friend of mine named Devon Franklin. Do you mm-hmm. know that is? That's familiar. He's um, produced different movies, written books. Uh-huh. I don't know if I have one of his books up here. His wife's Megan, Megan Good. Is that her name? Megan Good. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like a pastor, a speaker. All, oh, he's really cool. inspiring. And I said, uh, he wrote a book called The Wait, where he waited to have sex with his, with his wife until mm-hmm. they were married, right? And he talks about relationships. And I said... And I went through a breakup at the end of last year, and I interviewed him afterwards, and I go, when do you know you found the right partner? Uh-huh. Maybe not like your soulmate, but like yeah. the, the one who can be the one. Yeah. And he, without hesitation, said, when you feel at peace. Yeah. I never thought about that before. So simple. Well, you just mentioned this, how it's like peace at home so you can be chaotic and take risk in the world. You I know? can't walk into my house and get, like, I mean, he, I can say to him, I mean, I feel really lucky that I can go, I don't have a lot to give this week. Wow. I can say that. I don't have a lot to give today. You know, you need someone who is able to get their internal needs met without you. Have their own friendships. Have their own life. Get their own, derive their own value from their job or their work or family Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, and he also, I think for me, you're never going to find the perfect, that's not a thing. It's like, are you with someone who's willing to course correct? Are you willing to be with someone uh, are you with someone who's willing to grow for you if that's so what you need? So for me, there was like, you know, a couple things like, when we met, you know, I was like, this doesn't work for me. Is that something you're willing to change or not? And if you're not, I just got to go. Mm. We're not going to, you know, it's figuring out what your bottom lines are and seeing how flexible the other person is. So this is, yeah. this is the first time I entered a relationship, like, as a business deal. Wow. You know, like, okay, here's are the things I need. 
here are the things that don't work. Are those? Are you willing to change those? If not, I gotta go. No I mean, love lost. How many things did he have to change? <laughs> I'm talking about twenty things. I'm mean, like, damn, this guy's. I had to change some things too. Right, right. And so they made me better. Non- he had some non-negotiables. He was like, all right, you're. We made each other better. Mm. I think you know. And there's some things I'm like, that's not gonna change. I don't have time to change that. Yeah, yeah. This is who I, am. I just this. I don't hate. I don't. You know. So it's really like a. It's a negotiation. Dance. It's emotional yeah. negotiation. It's like what's tolerable. But I think to me the thing that is the most valuable is that we can be in the same space and not be talking or touching each other. You know that to me is a big deal because I used to think that intimacy was about proximity. Always like touching, Always. talking, like and it's my, silent. Something's wrong. My horse taught me that you can coexist with somebody and not be so close that you're gonna put each other in danger all the time. There's this thing I love that we say in program is that if you are holding a handful of sand, if you hold it like this, you can hold it forever, but if you hold it like this, you're gonna lose it. You know, so the goal is to always hold it like this. Mm, Anything. They can, it can leave when it wants. It can. That's yeah. it. I love you. Keep going. You know, is our thing. You know, I love you. Keep going. Go do your other thing. Go have your do that. You know, because this is just you never want to be here. You want to be here. Mm-hmm. So that's not. I was thinking about being here, like moving like up together, side by side. Well, that's right, right? Yeah, this yeah. is the other thing. Forward that or up. Yeah. People have to. I mean, I didn't learn this as a kid. This is your. And they teach us in schools, right? Your listeners are like, we like maybe this is so obvious, but something that you know someone explained to me, this neurologist, she was like, if two trains are going like this, they can go forever. But as soon as you're here, you crash. Yeah. And you can crash in relationships. You're just so, him and I can coexist in the same room. I can be on my phone. He can be reading a book. We're not, what are you doing? What? It's not, him having a life is not a rejection. Mm. And me having a life and ambitions is not a rejection to him mm. personally. And I'd only been in relationships where me going on a trip, he has to come. And me, you know, if you're going to, I have to come with you. You know, this, this sort of um, interdependence, not codependence. Yeah. Wow. Was something that took me a really long time to learn. Who was uh, more influential for you growing up, mom or dad? God, that's such a good question. God damn it, you're asking such good questions. I think it was probably my dad. I don't know. I don't know. Probably my dad. Influential in different ways. Sure. You know, um, but yeah, maybe my dad. What was the biggest lesson he taught you? Uh whether through actually him saying a lesson or just example or what he didn't do? Yeah, um, that, you know, he said something to me that I love, that I, I, I didn't understand how good his advice was until he passed. Like I didn't, Mm. I didn't, you know, because I I had this narrative that I had a crappy dad, I had a crappy mom, and that's all we focus on, you know? And then you do a little work on yourself and you're like, okay, there were some major gems in there. He used to always say, ask other people questions. Mm. They just want to talk about themselves. Mm. And I never, it took me so long to take that advice because I thought when you meet someone, you have to entertain them and you have to impress them and you have to show them all the things that you know. It didn't occur to me like, no, just ask the person about themselves. That's how you connect with somebody. Like I thought every time I met someone, I had to perform for them, you know, and I just thought that that was the arrangement and it took me a long time to understand that the easiest way to connect with someone is to just ask them questions about themselves. I know that sounds so obvious, Mm -hmm. but it's such a life hack and it's such a great way to me now in business to find out who I'm dealing with. Because I like to decide who somebody is and then when they don't match how I've cast them, I get confused. Mm. I'm not interested in who you are. I'm interested in who I think you are 
and then you disappointing me. Like, it's just like the most backwards. Right. I've like made an assumption about you and then you didn't match my assumption right. instead of actually just doing the field work and finding out who somebody is and if, it, if it's a good match, you know? That was really helpful for me. And he also gave me some really good advice where he said, be careful with how independent you come off because it doesn't occur to other people to help you or give you any kind of emotional support. Because what I would do is I'm a strong woman, I'm, I'm, fine, my, I'm independent, I'm fine, and da-da-da. And I'm like, why isn't anyone helping me? <laughs> like, why are you doing everything alone? It's like, it would never occur to anyone. So it just asking for help was a really big deal for me for a really uh-huh. long time. Just saying, can I get some help with this? And it not being a shamey, gross, I owe you, you owe me, now I'm keeping score. Because in my household, asking for help or an involving an adult in a problem came with guilt or shame or you're needy or you're, you know, something. Yeah. There was just too much of an emotional aftermath. You're not good enough to do it on your own or smart enough totally. or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Totally. So just little things like that that probably, but he also, my dad was gone a lot, you know, and I, I definitely have been defined by the absence of a dad when I was a kid, you know, and it took me a really long time to not decide all men were that way or to not let it frame the way that I saw the world. How did the relationship end for you when he passed? With my dad? Oh, it was... Were you in a good place, do you feel like? or was No, it- not really. I mean, it, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that's, that death is such a defining part. You know, it's interesting because, and I don't know if anyone wants to hear about death, but all the things that I'd been working on for so long kind of click into place when a death happens, you know, working so hard on boundaries, working so hard on saying no, working so hard at reducing the amount of things on my plate, working so hard to not do things out of obligation. You know, I've spent so much time doing that. And as soon as I lost my dad, it was like, I'm not doing that. Nope. I'm not going on a hike with that person. It just, everything becomes so clear what's important and what's not. So it's interesting. It's sad that it needs something like that to happen for us to course correct our life. Or just me. It could be me and what it's I needed, a lot of people, though. Yeah. you know, and, you know, I think that, and I don't know how that tool is helpful, don't kill your dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to emotionally make the progress you need, but, you know, it was something that was a little bit like, you know, his passing kind of was just a really big part of, mm. you know, things, you know, clicking into place, and in a weird way, I think it's the gift he would have wanted to give me in a weird way, and it, mm. and he had a stroke. Both my parents had strokes, which is a big part of why I got so into neurology and had to understand it really quick because yeah. I was all of a sudden in ERs looking at brain scans and people talking about the prefrontal cortex, and I'm like, I have no idea what that means, and finding out what part of the brain, you know, affects what. And um, and so I think that, like, ultimately he gave me this incredible gift that wow. as a side effect of something kind of tragic. Yeah. Wow. You know? yeah. When did he pass? Uh, about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, almost two years ago. And it was interesting because you really find out who the people are around you when someone in your life passes. Because grief makes you boring and makes you unable to give anything. Wow. And you really find out the kind of people that can show up and tolerate you grieving really calls out your circle. <laughs> because right. it's, you realize like... the fun one, the entertaining one, or the... Like, are you still my friend if I'm just staring at the wall like a zombie crying for six days? Like, am I still someone that you want to be, fr- you know, be around? So that was every—the tectonic plates really shift in your in your life when something like that happens. And I had just started dating the person I'm with, and the way he handled it, wow. I think, is really what made me understand 
Um, what great partnership is. and what He handled everything. Like he just wow. went into handle it mode. And I was like, okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. So I feel grateful that I think yeah. it's like the the very it's a lot of the damage that my dad I feel like I got from him him passing at the time that I had started dating Miles gave Miles the opportunity to step up and show me who wow. he was and kind of it was it was kind of kismet it was sort of this weird divine thing where I was able to sort of him passing is how Miles was able to step up and torch, I was able to kind of undo the cycle kind of thing wow. through it it was pretty. Surreal. Do you feel like you got to say everything you wanted to say to him? No, that's okay. You feel at peace about everything, or you wish you would have? I'm so not this person, but I'm going to be this person. I did do ayahuasca a couple months after he passed, like six months, because the grief was just, I didn't know what to do with it. Strong, yeah. Yeah, and I think that because I'm such a keep moving to get out of your feelings anyway, I really didn't want to run from it and for the grief to manifest in... Otherwise, yeah. Other ways, you know, I didn't want that energy to come out and like the workaholism or the codependence or whatever. And I actually think what happened for me with ayahuasca and why I think it's a helpful tool is I didn't hallucinate on ayahuasca. I kind of realized that I was hallucinating every day. <laughs> and on ayahuasca, I kind of saw things clearly. Mm-hmm. And I was able to take on a lot of the things that I thought were weaknesses from my dad as strength. Yeah. And I was allowed to sort of accept the things in me that I got from him and alchemize them into positives. You know, it's like he was always working and too much and would, I was like, I was just trying to find ways to use what I thought were weaknesses of his and make them strengths Mm -hmm. and accept the parts of him that were in me. You know, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like my mom. That's all we say. Maybe they had good things about them. Maybe we're just seeing them wrong or maybe we're just so wrapped up in our own judgment and blame that we can't see it. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad had a, very skeptical take on people. He always mm-hmm. called everyone liars, thieves, and worms is what oh he would gosh. say. And it's so negative, but I don't know. I, I I found myself overcompensating the pendulum swinging too hard and trusting too much mm-hmm. and being... Going all in. All in, trusting everybody. Yeah, sure, manage my money. Sure, I'll come stay at my house. Oh. Sure. And I just, I didn't have enough of that sort of what I call like healthy skepticism yeah. and healthy boundaries and a healthy sense of like seeing red flags, mm. you know? So I kind of, it helped me stop like divorcing myself from this story that my parents were so messed up and I, I want to be totally different than yeah. them. Do you feel like you do things to make your dad proud? Oh my God. Still? Oh God. I get, you're, you're so good at this. I, when my dad passed, I had somewhat of an existential crisis because I realized so much of my engine was to try to impress him. Just and him? When Mom he passed, well, when him? he, I think more my dad. 
My mom, not so much. My mom is more like physical stuff, mm-hmm. like body appearance stuff that I've had to sort of work through. You got a great combo. It's a whole other life. thing. Yeah, real doozy, real one-two. They were made for each other. Um, you know, my and I realized when my dad passed, I did have felt like I was sort of in a free fall because I I was like, do I even want to do comedy? Like the wow. person that I was trying to impress is gone. Like I don't even know why I'm doing any of this. Wow. And I I. I Canceled a bunch of projects I was doing. I checked out of a lot of things. I had to sort of completely revamp my priorities and figure out what I wanted. What's the priorities now? The priorities now are, you know, for me, I, and this probably sounds gross, but I'm big on making money because it is freedom. And I didn't have that growing up. So I do try to make decisions based on it being lucrative enough to be able to help a family member out if they have an issue. You know, my family, a lot of my family members don't have health insurance and they didn't go to college, you know. So for me, it's, I take a lot of pride in being able to earn Mm. so that I can help people. You know, that just, I I don't have cars and like, that's not my thing. And shoes and clearly clothes is not my (laughs) thing. I like to be able to, you know, give people, um, the ability to sleep at night because they're not stressing out about money, you know? So I do make a lot of decisions based on earning. You're not making millions at the comedy store every week? I really know that that $15, the <laughs> night you saw me, I made $15. You know, so I work for free a lot because yeah. stand-up is like bodybuilding. You're in the gym for a year making nothing, and then you get your special or whatever. So I definitely, once my dad died, I got a little more mercenary about the way that I spent my time because I worked for free for so long and continued to until my dad passed. And then just really high quality, like, is this going to move the needle or not? You know? And after that, the first thing I did was with, was Roseanne, which did not end as planned. God, isn't that crazy? It was so big. Yeah. Like the launch and the show was so big. Yeah. And then one tweet ruins it all. I don't think it was one. I mean, there was, uh, I found out. It seemed like one tweet was what? Ruined thousands of people? Ostensibly, yes, exactly. It it was one, the tweet that broke the camel's back, but there was definitely more before that I hadn't seen, and that was my mistake. I didn't follow her before, and, you know, like my dad said, ask people questions. I didn't ask enough questions, and I didn't do enough research, and, you know, but I did, you know, at the time, it was like, you know, we're going to reach a bunch of people that, we wouldn't reach normally. And, sure. and I think that Hollywood, we forget we're in this echo chamber and we are talking to such a small number of people. And this was an opportunity to talk to more people, you know? So I think that since my dad passed, I've just tried to be a little more big picture in the things that I take. I don't take jobs anymore to impress people. Mm. I don't take jobs anymore because there's a celebrity involved who might, this person might think is impressive. Like I don't have those sticky motives anymore. It's like, do I want to do it or not? Wow. And the answer is usually... No, like, am I going to be proud of this? Am I going to get paid in pride? Mm. Is a big thing mm. for me now that my dad has passed. Because it used paid to... and pride is the double. That's right. You know, am I paid... proud of it? Am I paid by it? Oh, that's good. That's sort of the way that I I, I live now. Because it used to be like, oh, like, whatever. I'm trying to think of a celebrity. So and so, Julie Roberts is a producer on this. I, I I'll be able to tell my dad that I'm working right. with Julie. Right? Ra- you know, so he'll love me more. Totally. It used to be that stuff. You know, yeah. and um, it's kind of not like that anymore. It's like. Would I do it for free? Right. Because you love it. But I would. But I want to make a lot of money there. I, I don't. And it's, and it's, I just, I know that it's gauche to say that, but I think nah, it's important think it's, to know your value and to know your worth. I think financial freedom is a powerful thing. Having resources, you can serve mm-hmm. humanity in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. You can create the products you want. You can create the life you want. You can help the people around you. So yeah. I don't think it's wrong. 
if you know yourself. Yeah. But you're not buying it to freaking buy gaudy stuff and flashy. You're buying, you're, you want to make money. This shirt was $45. I love it. How dare you? It's $45 as well. <laughs> the same say, person. That is what a is very it? like fancy it's a, shirt. This is a blank t-shirt. You know, I don't like know. In LA, black. those are like, it's a big deal. It's like a, what they call like a basic tee, I think. Basic tee. 45 bucks. It's not a V, so we're good. Um, I like these. You like a D- I, I feel I, like you're a deep V guy. Not a deep V. It's uh-huh. like a simple V. In like Turkey, that. you're going to have those no, Vs I'm going to hear like the nipples. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I do live in West Hollywood. And there's lots of deep Vs, but it's just like a little, just a little classic. Yeah, a little v, you know? tiny, tiny V. Little, Slight suggestion of a V. Yeah. Just like a little, they have that just clavicle peeking yeah. out. A little, <laughs> a little flirting. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, uh-oh. Um, oh, yeah. So, so pr- pride and Pain. My it's like my bar is higher and lower, like you know, this. and the bar is changing. So for me, it's like, you know, ten years ago, five years ago, I'd be like, I'm not going to do a casino, like that's selling out. I don't have that anymore. It used to be like, I was trying to impress people. I was so worried about like, if I post this ad on Instagram of me performing at a casino, what are comics going to think? Like, yeah. I just don't have that anymore. I don't have the same kind of shame around my choices. It's That's just cool. I get to be a little more selfish like in a it. good way. I like it. A good kind of selfish. How do you deal with... I remember I talked to Steve Aoki when I had him on, and I was like, what's one of your biggest fears or concerns? Something like that question. He said, being irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I see a lot of people in Hollywood who, like, they get the special, and then, like, next year, and then they don't get picked up again for the mm-hmm. next season. So they're hot, and then it's just they're chasing to be hot again. Yeah. There's so much excitement and expectation or hope that it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. How do you face that? Because you had Two Broke Girls, huge hit. You had your own show, which mm-hmm. was like two or three seasons, mm-hmm. I think, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it didn't last as long as mm-hmm. the show you were creating. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that just aspect of Hollywood mm-hmm. and your career mm-hmm. of hot, maybe not as hot, yep. and then really hot, and then, okay, Yeah, slow. the vicissitudes of the in and How out. How do you deal with it emotionally? Or, yeah. And maybe you're better now because you're choosing things. You don't yeah. really care what's working in that yeah. way. But I guess to me, I just, I think you put something out when it's good, and that's mm-hmm. how you stay relevant. No, it's like I just, and not, I, I agree with Steve, and I, I feel that a lot too, but I also know feelings aren't facts, and I know mm. what feelings are valid and which yeah. aren't. So it's like to just put stuff out to stay in the zeitgeist is I just I personally don't know, you know, a lot of comics. So you it takes a year to put a good special together in order to make mm. good art, you know, you have to have a life and you have to make mistakes and you have to go out in the world, you know. So I found that when I was doing, you know, three shows and there, you know, it was this whole thing and everyone thought of me as this big success. It was I was in a writer's room all day and I, I wasn't having a life and in order for art to imitate life, you have to have a life. And I didn't have one. Wow. And so I was limited in how good of an artist I could be. So now I believe you, you know, you make something and you go off and you live more and you grow and then you come back and make something else and hopefully your work is actually evolving. If I just only kept putting things out, it would I'd be putting the same thing out. How could wow. I improve? So I just am a big fan of going away, growing, restoring, living, coming back and elevating. You know, mm. that's just my process. And you know, and I also do lots of different things. So, yeah. you know, I'll go do a special and then I'll do a show and then I'll do a book. And then, I'll, you know, I, I, I'm also a robot that it's not I, I made robots. <laughs> I just I don't care if people are interested in me. I, I just want to be interested. 
you know? Cause, what you're doing. Because otherwise it's not going to be good. This is what I like. I feel like we're siblings or something because. Yeah. Past life I twins do, or something. I do a lot of things where my peers are like, what are you, why are you doing that? Yeah. Like I wrote a book a year and a half ago about masculine vulnerability. Great. It's called The Mask of Masculinity. Love it. And everyone was like, this is the worst business decision. Like, you should do something else based on your last book and keep building upon mm-hmm. it. And I was just like, this is what's going to be interesting to me. Yeah. And what I feel like is needed right now in the world. Yeah. That I'm proud of. Yeah. And You've I, worked so hard. Yeah. And you're not allowed to do, like, I'm being on, like, this one's for me and that one's for yeah, you. And this, that. you know, this, I do that with jokes sometimes. It's like, there's a couple jokes where I'm like. <laughs> no one laughs. I know Never, no, this one's just for me. I like this yeah, one, yeah, yeah. you know? You This is like, a, you know, it gets like 70% of the reaction to the other ones, but like, I like it, you know? I just, I think that um, we're so afraid of being boring that we're boring ourselves, you know? Oh. It's, it's I, I just, I don't know how to put out authentic work if it's, the engine is just to keep putting out work. Who's benefiting from that? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to choose from now. And making something for the sake of making it, I'm always big on why. What's the why on this? Why am I going to give this thing a year of my life or whatever? And, you know, like making the movie, for example, that was just an experiment. We made it yeah. in 15 days for really? 15 not days? even a million dollars. Oh, it was like, I mean, you can, there's the coverage. It's like, you know, it was very. Um, post editing and everything else, yeah. Totally. Figuring out in post <laughs> and fixing it in post and, you know, doing that weird little. I wanted to learn about neurology and I wanted to make a movie about. Right. I loved it. I just was like, I wanted to make the thing that I wish it had existed and no one else was going to make a movie. That's what I always say. I'm creating what I would want. I want a movie about neurology that I wish when I was 23, there was someone explaining to me oxytocin and dopamine. And when you're in a relationship for a certain amount of time that you start producing less oxytocin and it's not personal and how cortisol works and how, you know, organizing (laughs) things reduces cortisol. That's why I'm so obsessed with how everything, you know, I just... For me, it would have, I would have saved so much time with taking things personally and over-pathologizing myself, you know, and other people. I'd have been like, he's not mad, that's just cortisol. I'm going right, to give him right, a couple right. days for it yeah. to wear off, and then we'll talk about it. You know, I guess I just wanted that to exist. And then as far as the book, like, this went, I mean, couldn't have been, it came out the day of the Vegas shooting. So there was some interesting, cos- interesting. cosmic thing where it was... You know, the universe is going, we're making sure you're doing this for you and for the right reasons, right. you know, because glory isn't always going to be the reward. And then I think when something comes out based on the success of it, then you decide if it was worth it. That's so unhealthy to me. It should be like it's successful because I'm proud of the work I created if one person reads it or yes. a million people buy it, right? Yes. The reaction is the only thing that matters anymore, you know? And I found that I was chasing a reaction, Gosh, so true. chasing a reception and chasing a feedback. And, an applause. And an applause. That's exactly right. And so for me, I, I just want to be able to look back and, and be proud of the choices that I made instead of like I was just like on a hamster wheel trying to stay in people's timelines, right. you know? And some of the people's career that I respect the most, they... You can. It's like when we're talking about relationships. You want to miss someone a little bit. You do. You know. I, I. I think that right now we're in such like fatigue of people. You know. I just. I think that I. I also experienced being ubiquitous and having a. Sh- you were everywhere. And yeah, it didn't go great. You know. I'm. I think I'm Financially, good. Financially, maybe it went okay. It went great, but I just. It, I. I'm good in small doses. I also know that about myself. Because you had what? You had like a. You were a comedy tour. You had the creator of Two Broke Girls. You had your own show, Whitney. Yeah, I just was you like, had like, you know. a bunch of stuff happening at once. Yeah, and I just think that, I don't know. I think that 
artists um, being ubiquitous is you don't want to over where you're welcome. What's your thoughts on someone like a Steve Harvey or Kevin Hart who's all all the place, everywhere all the time? Those were (laughs) such weird people to pair together. They're both comedians. Wait, (laughs) Steve Harvey and Kevin Hart. They're both comedians, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin Hart, I think that he has, what he has done is amazing, and he does it so brilliantly because, I mean, it's like he has, what, a movie come out a year, mm-hmm. and then... And a comedy special a year. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sick of him. I don't I don't know why. I think he he's just so endearing, and he's so charismatic, and maybe he, you know, is the exception to the rule, but oh, I don't right. feel like a fatigue mm-hmm. on Kevin, you know? Because he's real and us authentic. He's not forcing, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I don't. I don't feel that. I'm not sure why. I think of Steve Harvey because he's got like multiple shows at once. Yeah. He's, oh God, does he? Yeah, he's got like Family Feud. He's got Steve Harvey show. He's I'm got, behind on Steve got, Harvey. Uh, I don't know why. He had the kids show, like the kids celebrity show, like mm-hmm. America's Got Talent for Kids or whatever. Right, 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 right. So he had like three or four shows at once. Yeah. And a radio show and. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. Okay, okay, that's fair. But you know, I I, I just can't think that way. I just to, in desperation to be relevant. I don't know. That feels like chasing. That just uh-huh. feels like a motive. That's, you know, to me, I just try to be authentic and and if I can and honest with myself and to just try to like keep up with everybody, which is. What I used to do, frankly, I just didn't, it didn't yield the kind of work that I really felt like I could be proud of. Like, I'd rather just be mindful about it, figure out what I want to put out in the world, Mm. and put it out when it's ready. Mm. What's your biggest fear now, then? I mean, being relevant is up there. I just know it's an irrational (laughs) fear, you know? Because for me, the fear of being irrelevant triggers codependency, rush culture, get it out now instead of when it's right, this chasing, um, and then it doesn't get what the reception you want, and And then you feel worse. And that, you know, so my biggest fear now, you know, being boring is one that I struggle with. That's a big one. Podcasts are helping me with that because I'm just like, is this interesting to anyone? You've got to, I mean, you said the answer because I was always very insecure growing up because I didn't think I was interesting enough to people. And I would say stupid stuff that people would be like, whatever, it happened two or three times that it stuck in my mind that like people didn't want me around. Yeah. Because I was just stupid or ignorant or whatever it was. Just youngest kid. Yeah. And I, in high school and in college, I really shifted to just being like, I'm going to ask amazing questions and just listen. I'm not going to try to say anything. I'm going to do the opposite. And someone told me later, they were like, you do a really good job of asking and listening. And... You're the amazing. Mo- the it. most in- thank you. He get- and you said the most interesting person is always the most interesting mm-hmm. person. Just what you said. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something why the podcast does well because I just want to ask questions. But you also ask questions that nobody else asks, yeah. and you're very thoughtful and mindful about it. And and you also ask it and then let the person answer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that go like, "What scares you the most?" Because what scares me the most, uh, <laughs> and you're like, I'm, I, it, like, "You know what I mean?" It's you really are wait for the answer, yeah. and it's it's a practice though. It's actually jarring because I keep waiting for you to change <laughs> the subject. I'm like, "Oh, he's really." I really have to answer curious, this. Yeah. It, I, I, it's actually kind of jarring. It's not a comedy podcast where everyone's interrupting each other. No, one up, baby. You're. I'm like, is someone gonna do a bit or prank me? Or you know, you're really. You land, you stick the landing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, a it's uncomfortable sometimes. You really are just, silence is a, is your tool of success. Like you ask the question and you wait for the answer, which is unbelievably. Um, well, it's called an interview for a reason. I, I know, but it's, it's jarring because I'm usually good at squirming out of things yeah. and not with you. 
But I think that that's a skill that I'm, I'm so happy for all your listeners because if people just did that on dates, it would save them five years of bad toxic relationships if you actually just asked a question and listened to their answer, which is the advice my dad gave me that seems so simple. And not try to be interesting or try to tell the joke or all the time. have your reaction, the joke come in, you know, like just to really listen and, and let people reveal themselves. And then once they do... People want to be heard and seen. People always tell me like, gosh... I don't even know what he said to me, but I talked to him for 20 minutes, and he's just like the most coolest guy. Yeah. He's just such a nice guy. I don't even know what he said, but I want to help him. And I spent so much time trying to get love indiscriminately from Mm. people whose love I had no business engaging with. You know, I spent so much time going like, I don't even know if you're the kind of quality of person I should be with, but I'm going to get your love regardless. And it was always like how to beguile people, how to charm people, how to get them to like you. Mm -hmm. And then you're stuck in this relationship with someone. And you're like, oh, God, why did I work so hard to get your approval? You're a nightmare. You know, so for me, it's um, I'm learning a lot from you because I I don't do this enough in my hiring decisions. I don't get to Mm. know people enough in my hiring decisions. Hire slow. And I... Fire fast. And I get to know their character defects and their song and dance. It's not easy. And I don't really ask mindful questions to find out what their character is. It's so hard as a, as a, a business owner as well. When you need to fill a spot because mm-hmm. you're, you're doing too much of the work you don't want to do or mm-hmm. you're suffering in a, a situation, you want to put someone there quickly. Yeah. But that's what you should, you should wait. And I don't ask enough smart questions and listen to the answer. You should let other people interview them first. Hmm. On your team. Oh, that's good. I just brought on a new assistant. Who, my other assistant had been with me for six years, and mm-hmm. she's transitioning to start a family. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had my assistant interview people first. Mm-hmm. Like they need to meet your requirements. Mm-hmm. Then my, and then when oh she found God. a few people that she liked, they go to my COO. He interviews them, mm-hmm. and you meet his standard. Wow. Am I gonna like this person? Yeah. Are they gonna fit into our culture? You know. What's and the biggest thing you look for in somebody? For me, it's attitude. I can't stand people that make excuses or they're don't have the willingness to figure it out. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm big on you can make mistakes, you just have to admit you made one. Yeah. If you can't admit you made it, then we're in insanity. I wouldn't say you can make a mistake a day if you want. Yeah. A huge mistake a day. Just don't do the same one over and over. Yeah, but if you (laughs) correct. Yeah, my bar is really low. What's wrong with that? Um, no, but you, if you can't admit I was wrong, I it's like that's my biggest sort of bottom line and red flag with you. Yeah, exactly. So attitude. Effort. Mm-hmm. For me, I was always I was never the best athlete, but I was always the MVP because of my effort. Huh. And my willingness yeah. to have like clear vision mm-hmm. and I was willing to get up early, work out. And, you know, I never drank my whole life. Really? Never had a sip of alcohol in wow. high school, college. I was just like, I need a superpower. Yeah. And it's gonna be effort mm-hmm. and my mindset. Love it. So effort, attitude, the desire and willingness to continue to learn. Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't need to be uh, to hold their hand. How would someone be able to construe that to you in an interview? I would tell them this. Oh, got it. I would say, this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, I need effort. I need an attitude. So I would ask them questions like, what would you say? I don't know. I would just think of a question about, you know, if you made a big mistake Mm -hmm. and I got upset, how would you react? Yeah. Or you knew you messed up, how would you respond? Mm -hmm. Just kind of feel it out. Feel like, uh, well... Interesting. So like, I would own it. I would take responsibility, and mm-hmm. I would want to see how I could get better. I would want coaching. Yeah. Cool. I said traps. 
You set traps. That's healthy. I do. <laughs> and it's the same thing I learned in, in relationships, and this probably sounds <laughs> you manipulative. You have to sometimes, you know? It's, you got to test people. I think, you know, I this this your listeners might think that I'm off the, the grid on this, but I, I go like, what was it like at your last job? Yeah. And if they say negative things about their boss, exactly. I can't hire you. The same way if you're dating someone and you say, how did your last relationship end? And they say, well, she's crazy, or he was, she, it was like, I already know that yeah. you blame people and I already know that you, you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And it's important to like when people reveal themselves to just. I think when you take ownership for everything in your life mm-hmm. and responsibility, that's when you're like, okay, I can trust this person. Yeah. Maybe they're going to mess up. Maybe mm-hmm. they're going to make mistakes, but yeah. they're going to own stuff and they're willing to grow. Yeah. And I that's think we I'm have saying. to really remember that we are wired to have a common enemy. It's something we bond over. And I think it's really important to know how we're wired and to just honor that. It's the same way, you know, people with dog breeds, they want to say like, this dog was bred for this, but we can't. And then people go, breed doesn't matter. It all matters. You know, oh. nature and nurture both matter. And I think it's important. We just have to understand part of our nature sometimes. And when you're dating someone new and you both get to be mad at the person's ex. We're bonding over doing? something because that's what we're wired to something do. Something negative. Right. But it's then you go zoom out and it's like, oh no, that's a red flag. It's not healthy. I want to ask you a couple of final questions, okay. but I want to make sure people check out your book, I'm Fine and Other Lies. You guys can go get this book right now since it was such a big hit the day it dropped. <laughs> so wild. Really funny stuff. But it powerful was. about anxiety, overcoming all the challenges you've gone through. It's about addiction. It's about codependence. Yeah. It's about eating disorders. It's mm-hmm. about freezing your eggs. It's about, you know, sort of a lot of um, sexual assault. It's about mm-hmm. sort of everything we all have dealt with. And it was interesting because to come out the day of a tragedy, at least to go like, you're going to have to wait two weeks to promote it and we right. have to relaunch it. Like all of so much of the book is about not trying to control mm-hmm. but you're drowning. what you can't control. Yeah. <laughs> you're drowning. So for that to have happened, for me to not surrender and surf that wave would have me- meant this book was for nothing. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I have a new stand-up special. The, it's on Netflix, right? Yes, sir. The promos are hilarious. It's called Can I Touch It? <laughs> and it has a robot in it. Which I touched already. You did. You touched. Uh, yep. I touched it. That's right. You it's gave called, me permission. It's called Can I Touch It Ask for, for many reasons. Yes. Because I talk a lot about all this sort of harassment stuff in the news. And, you know, in comedy, we're at this place where it's like, can I touch this? Can I talk about this? Can uh, we can talk I about this? this? Can I say this? Can I, it's you know, sad. have this opinion? I feel like it's sad that comedians are getting shamed for so much. Mm-hmm. In some ways, maybe there's some crossing of lines, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're just so wound up like mm-hmm. everything is personal mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of self-righteous indignation and you know but comedy's always been a democracy it's just that where people vote is changing yeah so and you, have to, it, you have to evolve with it yeah otherwise I, they're not gonna laugh and show up yeah so it's like mm. funny's funny and you know I don't think there's words that I don't there is a shift happening I don't think that people should be silenced but if you don't get a laugh it but I think you, it makes you be more creative it's not because the audience is stupid mm, right, you know what I mean right. Well, you guys are laughing because you're PC. It's like, no, I always give the audience the benefit of the doubt. I think the audience is always right, uh, you know? And I think that because taste is changing and like what you just said, mm-hmm. um, think what's funny is changing, Yeah, you know? Because what we see in the news all the time, it's it's so brutal that I think what people want to see on their night off is changing. Yeah. Because it used to be like, we make fun of the president and we say the things no one can say. Like, 
we hear about that all day, every day now with Twitter and this. Co- we're constantly seeing negativity. That's true. All day in the news. That's true. You know, so I think what people want to see on their night off when they're paying 80 bucks is just changing. Yeah. And that's okay. 80 bucks a seat? Yeah, I mean, look. I'm the wrong I'll business. Tell you what. 80 bucks? <laughs> I, well, not when you saw me. No, that was. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's just. To me and, and your listeners are obviously all about thriving and success. And I just, it's, you've got, you cannot stick to the thing that worked a year ago yeah. if it doesn't work anymore. In your it's, relationship, in your business. In anything. Your life, yeah. How many times are you going to stub your toe on the table before you either move the table or go around the table? Mm-hmm. You know, what, it's, it's, you know, 12 step 101. God help me to accept the things I cannot change. So, you know, and what can you change? What can't you change? And then go from there. I like it. You know? Because right now we're just going like, this thing, is the thing I did five years ago isn't working. It's like, yeah. Got to grow. When's the special out? Uh, July 30th. July 30th. Yeah. Netflix. Netflix. Watch it, post it, share it on Instagram stories when you're watching it, tag you. It's going to be amazing. The trailers are incredible on your Instagram right now. Uh, you got I feel like I half said that serenity prayer. I was like, do I even say this? I'm assuming everybody knows that for some reason. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, control the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, is there anything else we can? You're you're hilarious on Instagram. Oh, thanks. I, uh, Whitney Cummings on Instagram. They can see you on tour yeah, in LA. I'm not touring for a while. It's, you know, kind of my stand-up special. I'm working on a new show. We'll see what happens Amazing. with it, but I'll start touring soon. Winnie 2.0 is yeah. on the new show. Yeah, well, I've got a robot that I'm going to start sending out for me. It's amazing. I love it. I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Whitney, because you have an amazing heart. Oh, you that's You really so do nice. have an amazing heart, and I think that is a thing that people recognize the most about you. Oh, Obviously, so nice. you're extremely creative, talented, hilarious, all these things. And you tell incredible stories, but you have a powerful heart because you continue to desire to get better and you want to improve. And I think that's what's really special about you. So I acknowledge you for your heart. Thank you. So my my final question, if there's a pause, is what's your definition of... Actually, I have two final questions. This one is... um, So maybe it'll pause for a second. This one is called uh, The Three Truths. So I want to imagine that you are... Give me the last performance stand-up of your life. Mm-hmm. And the whole world is watching. Just imagine. It's okay. 50, 100 years from now. You still have all your um, capabilities of communication. Mm-hmm. But it's you're like, all right, this is my last farewell tour. And eventually, you know, soon after, you're going to die. But you've created everything you want to create. All the specials, books, mm-hmm. robots, whatever you want to do <laughs> in the future, right? Mm-hmm. But you have one last tour mm-hmm. and one last performance. Mm-hmm. And you do this amazing show. People are laughing. They're crying. They're enjoying whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But at the end, you get to leave people with three things you know to be true about your life and the lessons you would leave behind. It's mm-hmm. so what I like to call the three truths. Mm-hmm. That this is all people to have to kind of remember you by these three lessons. Mm-hmm. What would you say are yours? And I say them and they... Get, believe them. Like it works. Whatever I say works. You, you say it and this is your truth. This is like, you know, a lesson that's for me is like when I always live in gratitude, I live a better day. Like I want to, I want to leave that behind for you as like a truth, a okay, lesson. Okay, okay. When I'm in gratitude, I that would be like yours would be that. I'm just making something up, yeah. Or like, you know, the health is the most important thing in your life. Mm-hmm. That's a truth. So just 
giving examples. What are your truths, though? I don't want to make something up for you. I'm saying from what you think would be all the lessons you've learned up to now, and imagine it's the last performance you get to give. But the world is watching. Is it, is the, are these more emotional? Are these more? Any truth you want it to be. For me, you know, it can be lessons of life. Not like when you see a dog bite or something, but like a lesson yeah. that you would want to leave behind. This is all people would have to remember you by. What would you want to leave behind as like these truths, these lessons? This is a nightmare question. Mm. This is hard. Can I have an example of one that you've liked? Um, yeah, someone said, uh, Sam Harris, who said, he's like, always tell the truth. He's like, it solves so many problems when you tell the truth. It might be Totally hard. disagree. He said it might be hard. Sometimes you have to lie to people to get them to leave you alone. Okay. Well, there you go. That can be your truth. <laughs> no. Well, some people lie. You know, I, I'm yeah, such a big yeah. fan of Sam Harris. I'm totally joking. Um, I need, <laughs> that was one of I need to take that advice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because I'm always like, sorry, I can't make it today. Right, I right. can, but I'm not Choose going not to. to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm so, because I, I, I really need guidance to know how to, you know, I really need, a, like, walls to operate in because I get to. Yeah, imagine it's your last day and you've created everything you want to create in the world. Mm-hmm. TV, movies, whatever, the family you want. But you've got to take it all with you. So no one has access to any of the work you have anymore. So they don't have your content anymore. Mm-hmm. Social media is all gone. But you get to write down three things to be true. You get to say a message in front of an audience that you would leave behind and this is all they have these lessons to live by, kind of your commandments. I should have prepared for yeah. this. I know everyone else does. No, they don't. Really? It it's always better, goes like this? better Because you're dealing with yeah. a bunch of perfectionists that want to get it right. Yeah. I want to win this one. It's better organic. I want to beat Sam Harris. It's better with what's on your mind right now or what's on your heart is even better. It's tricky. Like this is, now you're getting an insight into the part of my brain I'm not proud of because I get really indecisive mm. and I get really... Like dichotomous in my thinking, because mm. like my first instinct was you don't owe anyone anything, and no one owes you anything. Like that's something that really helps me right. when I walk through the world, because I'm like nobody owes me anything, nobody owes me anything. When my expectations start getting too high, but at the same time, I want to say like kindness fixes everything and forgiveness fixes everything. So, but then I'm like, but you don't owe. Like, do those ma- do those contradict each other? Am I a hypocrite? Is that Uh, that a truth or no? No. Okay. None of these are good yet. Okay. Number one, what would you say? What's something that you could be proud to leave behind as a a truth? But am I trying to like fix problems? Am I trying to fix the world? I'm trying to make, what's, what am I? Just your final message. You don't have to fix anything. I wouldn't do the show. How much am I getting paid for the show? (laughs) If I only have one show left, I wouldn't show up. I wouldn't go. It's all good. What's just, you know, what are you feeling right now? It doesn't have to be, you'd always tell me later, hey, I would add this other truth. It's okay if you need like seven truths or 20. But if you just three things that you feel like in the last few years that you're like, yeah, those are good lessons. I'd want to share that. If you've met more than two assholes in one day, maybe you're the asshole. I know it sounds like a quote. It sounds like a Never heard ism. One. It's just like you have more power than you think in terms of, you know, maybe it's you. Because I yeah. think, you know, blame, is, blame yeah. is such a drug and, you know, and it's it's tricky because we're seekers and we're people mm-hmm. that are constantly proving ourselves, but it really made me feel power, a power I didn't have. When someone's like, maybe this, when something's your fault, 
at least I can do something about it. There's something liberating in it right. being your fault. Sure. I love when things are my fault. I love when I'm wrong, because at least I can fix it. When someone, else, when someone else is wrong, there's nothing I can do. You know? <laughs> Yell at them, Totally, there's nothing you can do. Manipulate them, you know, scream at them, and then you're in insanity, you know? So I think that, um, I think they'd probably be quotes that you've heard from other people that worked for me. That's fine. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. That helped me a lot. So I know that to be true. Okay, that's one. This is going to sound like me being, having an agenda. And this is a quote. There's people, like 50 people have said it and nobody knows who actually said it. Or It's assigned to like 50 people. But I, I do think we are so disconnected from the other species on our planet. It mm. just helps. Like the way we treat animals does is our legacy because mm. animals are just what's, have less power than us. So the way we treat our animals is the way we treat our women, the way we treat our children, the way we treat anyone who's more, it's how we teach the next generation to mm. abuse their power. So I think that that is something that, you know, just the way we treat our women, children, and animals is mm -hmm. who we are. Mm. Ultimately, I don't know why, I don't know, this comedy show is going to be awful. Uh, my last <laughs> show is going to be terrible. You've already made people laugh now. I'm going to be bombing. Hear, they just want to hear a message. Like, yeah. I think it's, you know, mistreating people doesn't make you powerful. Mm. You know, mistreating yeah. something with less power isn't yeah, I love power. The, I love the quote or the meme that's like, my father always taught me to treat the janitor that's the same as the CEO. Where it's like, always treat people with like equal kindness. Yeah. The way you treat other people is a reflection of how you feel about yourself, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that when you disrespect other people, you're just ruining your reputation. You're hurting yourself. So I think that that's something that we don't understand or something that maybe there's a little bit of a um, dissonance on. Yeah. The way you treat other people yeah. is very much a reflection of who you are and how you feel about yourself. Are you choosing to toxify your environment? Or are you choosing to purify mm -hmm. your environment? That's probably Okay, that's two. Your final message to the world. I don't even like that last one. I like it. How you treat other people is a reflection of you? Yeah, but that's so obvious. That's Truths obvious. can be simple. Um, <laughs> they can be simple. It doesn't have to be something like, I think simple is profound. Mm-hmm. That's would be one of my truths. That's a good one. Okay, that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Less is more. I, do, I don't know what to do. This is so hard. What's another good What's one? What's in your heart right now? Just pure confusion. you're analyzing. Confusion. You're analyzing. Everybody can be I good. I know. Is this better I just want it to be good, yeah. Am I going to win this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you had a lesson that you could share with your heart. Um, a lesson from your relationship, maybe. Relationship with your parents, relationship with your uh, fiancé. What's a, a I'm too analytical for this question because I don't I I don't like like truisms like I don't like like Lesson? super love yourself I don't like that <laughs> we talked about this because it's like this is gonna be a comedy special one day this is like, a nightmare a guy asked me about what my three truths are and I couldn't figure and out I jumped to. out the window I mean I'm gonna because I don't like things that if there's even one way to disprove it, uh, debunk yeah. it. I, I don't like it. I just go, well, then, it's if it's not true once, it's not then a, true. Then a lesson. Yeah, that's a better one. A good one. lesson then. 
I feel bad about that love yourself thing. No, it's all right. I think people are using the self-love thing to not take responsibility for their behavior, but I'm going to love myself. It's like like you still should process your consequences and ramifications. There is this new radical self-love thing that is like giving people permission to be jerks. Mm -hmm. Or unhealthy. Yeah, I'm going to just love myself. I drink four glasses of wine a day, but I love myself. And you're like, no, that's... There's consequences to loving yourself that way. It doesn't mean radically just be irresponsible and don't take inventory of your behavior like look at the at the ruckus you're causing around you and the damage you're doing as well if if so we don't forgive others because they deserve forgiveness we deserve forgive others because we deserve peace that's a good one that's a good one the most powerful one no one's ever said that. that's the best one that That is a banger because it's a banger resentment is a disease Mm -hmm. it's correct it crystallizes in your heart rat poison and you're drinking and you're Mm -hmm. trying to give to someone else yes and it just calcifies, and you project it you all over the place. An, ener- an energetic cancer in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this one. So you won with that. What? With I agree, Sam. Take that. I. This is so. This. This is a good one, and I don't think I'm going to phrase it eloquently first, but I do like it. Of just, and I'm sure someone said it in some way, but just that it's a big thing we say in program is just like you're not your story. You're not the story you wrote about yourself, and or you can be a new. Sorry, I interrupted you there. No, you please. Can be a new story. Yeah, you can be the new story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's right. You're not the old story, but you can create a new story. You cast yourself in the wrong movie. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's just you know, and I think that like most of your thoughts are science fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing. Like a lot of your thoughts and beliefs just aren't true. And that doesn't mean you're an idiot. That doesn't mean you're stupid. It's just that person's mad at me. That person doesn't like me. Like. They're not thinking about you at all. Yeah, in they fact, don't they don't they care. Their stuff. They're in their own insecurity. They're worried if you like them. They're obsessed about their selfie or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, we obsess about what other people think about us till we realize they're just not thinking about us at all. Um, good news, bad news. So I think that, like, a lot of our beliefs being science fiction is really helpful to me. A lot of the mm-hmm. things that I, I, I think that's, a lot of people don't like that because they're like, what do you mean? You're calling me dumb? Or, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, no, that's a relief. A lot of the things that, are in your head, the voices in your head aren't yours. Yeah, you can let go of it. Yeah, um, they're voices that developed when you were a kid and under different circumstances. Is that two? That's three. Are you sure? I bombed this part. Give us one? Yeah, that's a good one. This one that you just said, the, the story? Way you treat a, there's your... no difference between the way you treat other people. And the story. And then you're not your story? I like these three a lot. I don't really? think I've ever heard those three as a combination. I don't even know if I've heard two of the three. I don't think I've heard. So, he's a liar. I'm not. It's I. I, I do, can't remember. Yeah. This comment if they happen. Yeah. They're very powerful. Very Your inner powerful. monologue's just not true. That's kind of helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You got like seven and a half in here. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I know that was like <laughs> solid, solid C minus. This is all good. I feel like it's not a competition. Um. Yeah, it is. Let's be honest. Life's a game. I'm looking at this. I'm trying to win. And I'm like, okay, I'm failing this. Um, but uh, these are perfect. I think they're beautiful. Uh, maybe this is this is so stupid, but I think it's an artist. Like or mistakes sometimes are the best part of anything, mm. except for this section of this. It's just mistakes are always where the magic is and everything. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's that's has taken me a long time to learn. I love it. You know, this is amazing. I really acknowledge you for staying in this. 
through the construction, through the oh gosh, the analytical brain, through I know that was the paralyzing. Robot deformity. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. Everything is happening. I, but I really am glad that I got to know you because I've just seen you on your show or special and at the comedy store once or twice. But getting to know your heart is really inspiring. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we connected right now in this moment in time. And I hope we get to do more stuff and I can support you in any way. Just let me know. If anything, look, your listeners, I have no idea what their, if they're, what their takeaway from this is. But I, if anything, it's like I'm not – I'm looking at your wall of all these people who, like, are experts at success and branding. And I'm not. I'm a – if anything, you – I'm a big mess and I have success. You can be a mess and have success. Like I'm looking at your wall and it's all these like overachieving, like A plus, like like incredible people. I make mistakes and I'm an addict and I had eating disorders and I had a great, you know, and I'm still, do, I'm not, I have not fixed everything about me and I still have yeah. success, you it's know? Amazing. So maybe that's a good takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just be a train wreck and still <laughs> have success. Live in the world. You don't have to be like you, like, you don't have to have read every single book. You don't have uh, to, like, you know, have, be giving inspirational seminars in order yeah. to have success. That's great. You know, maybe that's a, imperfection is also okay. It's perfect. You know, God, this wall is really intense. <laughs> it's like all professional all healers. <laughs> I know, a lot. you know some of these healers? Yeah, so, yeah. I know a lot of these people. Um, through it all. You don't have to meditate every day to be a success. <laughs> I'm about to totally ruin. I'm about debunk to it all. I'm about to debunk everything. You don't have to have rituals. You don't have to write in a yeah, journal. You I don't, don't have to do, wake up at 5 You don't day. have to wake up at 5 You don't have to work out. You don't have to be keto <laughs> or paleo. I don't even know what I'm saying. Like, you don't yeah, have to yeah, do yeah. any of that stuff. You don't have to take vitamins every... You can still be successful even if you're not... Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Doing all the things that... Life hacking all the time. Every, yeah, the, the, whatever. That's yeah, good. You can be a hot mess. I love it. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta come to your show. Do you do every week down here at the comedy store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there a couple nights a week. I gotta come more often then. Yeah. You inspired me to want to come out more, so I'm gonna come out and bug you and... and and heckle at yeah, you. Yeah, sometimes I cancel, sometimes I flake, sometimes I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm imperfect. Perfect. Like I'm, you know, flaming mess. I love it. <laughs> this, is my, this is my final question for you for this interview and hope I do more with you in the future. But Please. the final question is what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is, uh, I don't know, I'm pretty hard, I'm pretty rough about this. It's excellence and authenticity in the same. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. If you're someone else's version of great, that's kind of, whoops. I think, and this is maybe because I'm a comic and an artist, and I think it's greatness is like, at least in what I do in my personal life, I, I don't even think I can really speak to that because I think greatness in your personal life is more about your behavior instead of other people's behavior. Uh you know, what you don't do instead of what you do do. Greatness is about shutting your mouth and not saying that thing or not giving that criticism or not losing your temper. Like, greatness is is more about being stoic. But I think for what I do for a living professionally, it's about making sure someone, before they see you and after they see you, they're changed in some way. Mm. Leaving some kind of impact, like making them think differently, see something differently, laugh at something they never thought was funny. It's at least with what I do. The movie I made, if you don't leave that movie knowing more about neurology than you did, then I've failed. There's no greatness in that. If you leave a comedy show that I did knowing less or not having 
tweaked your perception of something, I failed. There's no greatness there. So I think it's like greatness and and what I do is just leaving an imprint on somebody in some real way. You know, otherwise, what are you doing? You're just wasting someone's time. It's just masturbatory. But that's really specific. Yeah. I like it. Changing someone's mind about something, I I guess. That's what we try to do here. And that's what I told you I wanted to do with this interview. I was like, I want people to leave better than this, that they feel inspired to make an impact. They want to take an action, think differently, mm-hmm. share with a friend, help Because I, I just get a little bit, I get stuck in that. And sorry, now I'm rambling. I get a little bit stuck in the whole, like, affect people. and beca- Because that sometimes goes into my codependence. It's not your job to fix people. Or, you know, that's, or. Not fix, be, but. Yeah, it's their job to fix themselves. Like, greatness isn't, isn't martyrdom. You know, you don't go around and martyr yourself on people, rescue people emotionally, you know, care, yeah. caretake people. That because So that's when I get a little bit like, oh, wait a second. Greatness is staying in your lane and fixing yourself because you're the best way to, is to lead by example, you know. So that's why I'm kind of like tripping up on it's it. It's also like, what I'm hearing you say is like creating a piece of art through your work mm-hmm. that empowers people to think in a way to improve their life. Yeah, and have conversations they wouldn't have normally or change the way that they think for the yeah, better or, yeah. you know, change their mind about something. Or even if it's as simple as like, oh, women are funny. Oh, like I, even if it's that simple, even if I'm setting an example or a woman going like, oh, maybe I can do that thing I was scared of doing. I think leading by example is important. So I think greatness starts with, mm. you know, making yourself, instead of focusing on how can I help other people, like, well, get your sh- together right. and then we'll talk about what you can do for other people but you're a you know you're a mess. cleaning up clean up your mess and then yeah. we'll talk about you know so I try to sort of stay in that space I also think there's just like a simple greatness like would I make a better decision today than I would yesterday I think also there's that we get so and you're such a like big picture mm-hmm. healer mm-hmm. that I think sometimes there's this pressure to like do something so sure. sometimes greatness right. yeah. is like can be tiny and incremental absolutely and just like Today I didn't text that person back. That can be greatness. Because <laughs> sometimes that's the heart, you know. Yeah. Or some small acts every single day are great. Yeah. Yeah. I think to me, Being I get nice, so smiling da- at someone on the street. That's why I'm getting so daunted because I'm like, greatness. Like, oh sh- like this is such a big, you know, yeah. I think greatness can be really tiny. This is why, you know, my definition used to be something like go be the best in the world of what mm-hmm. you can do. But then it shifted to Discover your unique talents, mm-hmm. pursue your dreams that mm-hmm. you enjoy, mm-hmm. and make an impact on people along the way yeah. while you're pursuing your, the thing you love. Yeah. For me, it's like, if there's no one there that's like, be number one in the world and make a billion dollars or be so successful that everyone loves you. It's do the thing you love yeah. and help people along the way yeah. by being positive. Because so. it's, yeah, because it's, I think that like, it's, we, we, I think, always forget about the lead by example thing. It's yeah. like people, can look to you and go, I might not have a podcast and be a brand like right. him, but I'm a teacher. Yeah, and if I just teach these five kids, you know, it's Impact like, these people. Yeah. 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 I like that. Like, what's your version of greatness? That's um, it. That's it. Yeah. God, these questions are really stressing me out. I'm stressed. Oh, good. Well, this is the last question, so I appreciate it. I Again, thank you for your heart. I really, I don't know, I really like... Hang it out with you. I don't want to say I like. You. I don't think I've ever told someone I like. I really like you. Does so he I feel do weird. this all the time? I feel weird that I'm saying. I feel weird that I'm saying I like you. Uh, but I just why think. Not? I hope so. I just. I don't know. I just enjoy uh, the level of work that you've done on yourself and continue to do, and acknowledging of it and processing constantly. I think it's rare to see someone in your position 
do this much work. Oh, wow. And talk about it openly and be like proud of it and not shaming yourself, so. Yeah, I just, I think we all like, I don't know, for me, I like to lead with my failures and mistakes and flaws and, and because I think there's right now, there's just this perfectionism culture mm-hmm. and this brag about only your wins and don't talk about any of your losses culture. And I just, I think it's, it's just, it's no good, but I, I appreciate that you. Well, you're amazing. Say that. I appreciate you being here. Thanks Thank so you, Whitney. I hope so that was. Perfectly imperfect. A big thank you, my friend, for being here and listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this, you know what to do. Spread the love. Send a text to one friend. I don't care if you're using WhatsApp or you're DMing a friend or you text them, Facebook Messenger. Just message one friend this link, lewishouse.com slash 832, or take the link on the podcast app where you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Take the link. And message one friend. Be a champion. Be a hero. Be a leader, an inspiring person in someone's life today by sending them this interview and recommending them check it out. Whitney has had uh, an incredible life experience. So many things she's been up to, so many mistakes and failures and lessons and successes that you can learn from and your friends can learn from too. So make sure to share that out with your friends. And do me a favor and leave a review. I don't care if you leave one star, three star, or go five stars like most people do, but just write your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear how I can make this better. I want to hear if you enjoyed this interview or not, what you gained from Whitney, and what you'd like to learn more of. So share your thoughts. Write it down. We share this with our audience. We share with our team, and it really helps us continue to spread the message of greatness. In the beginning in here, we had a quote We had a quote from Mary Tyler Moore who said, take chances, make mistakes. That's how you grow. Pain nourishes your courage and you have to fail in order to practice being brave. I hope you're doing something that scares you today, every single day. I hope you're doing something that cultivates your courage, that allows you to be brave. It's hard to be brave if you're just sitting on the couch and not doing anything that scares you, if you're not taking any risks but you become more brave. You build the muscle of bravery when you take risks and chances and do things that risk being embarrassed, that risk failure, that risk being judged. Put yourself out there. Continue to step into who you were born to be. As always, I love you. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.